0: It's helped me so much in, you know, formulating my um, confidence, I guess, in, you know, fake it till you make it. You know, we hear that saying and it's a cliche, but it just rings so true because if you believe it and, you know, you go for it, you're going to make it happen. And, you know, people don't have to know people probably won't know. And if you really are confident about it, then you will eventually become what you're pretending to be.
1: Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. My name is John Miles, a former combat veteran and multi-industry CEO turned entrepreneur and human performance expert. Each week we showcase an inspirational person or message that helps you unlock your hidden potential and unleash your creativity and leadership abilities. Thank you for joining us today on the show and let's get igniting. Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. Hi, I'm John Miles, and it's my job to interview high achievers from all walks of life and to tease out from them their secrets and inspiration to help you unlock passion in your own. And today I've got a great guest on the show, but before I go there, let me start out with a quote that I found from her website, from New York Times bestselling author Jen Snarrow. And she says, in order to change your life, your faith in miracles, and yourself must be greater than your fears. And isn't that so true? We get so caught up with our fears and obstacles, and we let them get in the way of becoming passion struck, finding that burning desire in our life that gets us motivated in the morning to get up and conquer the world. And that's exactly what our guest today did. And you'll hear from her about how she found her passion early in life and how that passion became such a provocative aspect of how not only she carries herself, but she carries on her mom's legacy. I wanna introduce you today to Juliana Sweeney, a singer, songwriter, and recent college graduate. And I am so excited about this episode and her talking to you about how she took tragedy and turned it into filling her mission in life and bringing so much needed care to children's cancer research through the proceeds from her music sales. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Juliana. Juliana, like I said, is a singer and songwriter, and she loves cooking, taking spontaneous trips to enjoy nature, as well as different cultures. And she's on a constant search for the world's greatest cappuccino. And I think many of us can relate to that. I know I'm always on That constant search for the perfect cup of coffee myself. She wrote her very first song back when she was six years old, and it was like you probably imagined that an 11-year-old would write at that time. However, it ignited a passion inside of her for music and for that to be the thing that moved her. That song became a defining moment of her life, a moment that she learned through her music she could be provocative. And this has been her life mission ever since style has been noted to sound like Joni Mitchell, Carole King, and Nora Jones, and you can find her music everywhere music is sold. Now let's get on with today's show and this special interview with Juliana Sweeney. Juliana, I am so thrilled to have you today on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, as I was reading more and more about you and had a chance last night and this morning to start listening to to your new album, which we'll get into, and your music. I learned that for you, you you really got this passion around music when you were, I think it was sixth grade. And I wanted to go back because I think that's a good starting point. And can you talk a bit about what what was happening in your life then? And how you got the songwriting bug that early in your life?
0: Absolutely. So I have been, you know, singing and just, I've always had a love for music. Um, I think our first like solo performance that I had was when I was in kindergarten. And I was very fortunate to have music teachers that, you know, whatever it was, saw something in me and really pushed me to continue on with my music. So it was the summer between fifth and sixth grade. Um, I was about 11 years old and my choir teacher in elementary school had, you know, re- what's the word? Not requested. They had, you know, said that it would probably be best if I, if I took piano lessons, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> instead of voice lessons and essentially built off of that. So I did my piano lessons for a couple years. I think I started those when I was seven. And around the time that I was 11, I remember I was sitting in my room and I was listening to Kelly Clarkson, funny enough. And I was like, you know what, let me just see what I can come up with. So I sat down at the piano um, and my first song was like six minutes long and had four chords. And looking back on it, it was not that great, but it was a very pivotal moment for me because that was when I really like really realized that I could do something with my music.
1: Well, that's great. I, I have two kids. One is uh, actually your age. He's, he's actually might be even a little bit older than you. He's 22. And um, I have a daughter who's 17 and we started both of them when they were very young playing piano. And I think it has helped. Music has helped both of them so much, not only in giving them, you know, an outlet for anxiety and other things, but Mm -hmm. I think, when you're doing something complex like piano, it strengthens so many different parts of your brain as as you're uh, doing so. Now they have both since then drifted off to other instruments as well, and you know we'll, we'll get more into that. But I remember, you know, when my son was about the same age um, as you were, um, we had uh, moved to Austin, Texas, and he decided he wanted to do percussion. And where we lived in Austin. An area called Westlake, the only people that they would bring into the band, because their middle school band was literally 150 or 200 kids big. I mean, it was a big band, and they're part of the Westlake High School District, and Westlake is known for its mu- music program. But they would only allow you to ad- audition if you played piano first. So he auditioned, had never played drums, and within two years, not only had become a great drummer but was in one of the top 6 or 7 chairs in the entire state and there was a a mentor a young a young man you know probably in his late 20s who entered his life and really started showing him the core techniques to learning it and you know I'm rambling here but where I was going with this is you know I think for him having that guide even at that young an age was so instrumental because, you know, it it gave him confidence, but also someone who he trusted, who, you know, would give him really honest feedback. And I was wondering, did you experience that at all?
0: Absolutely. So as I was saying, you know, my elementary school teacher, my music teacher, she was really instrumental and, in, you know, pushing me to perform more or you know getting these piano lessons and then when I wrote my first song I took it to her and she you know she would critique me she would help me you know bring more songs to life for you know different tips or tricks or she would I remember (laughs) it was like the first week of school and I had just shown her my song and she's like you're gonna sing it to the class and I was like what?
1: No way. <laughs>
0: Crazy, no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like um songwriting is a very as you said, it's an outlet to, you know, get out emotions or anxieties or a lot of different things and and songwriting is a very vulnerable um entity. And to be put on the spot and have to sing, you know, the song, I think, I think the boy that I wrote it about was in the class and that was like a whole nother thing, Um, you know, sixth grade drama. And, but I just learned so much from that experience because it's like, the only way to grow is to go out of your comfort zone. And, you know, she, she put me in those positions where I was very uncomfortable, but it was because of those that I was able to really, you know, develop my craft and, and flourish in the music space. And then, you know, throughout high school, I had another teacher who was almost like a continuation of of my elementary school teacher. And then in college, obviously, I've, I went to school for music, and you know, I had a couple mentors there who really continued to push me, and and I owe a lot to them.
1: Well, that's great. I and I always like to ask this question of. Gen Zers because it, it usually the answer is different than my generation. So as you were growing up, did did you find it more difficult from you know kind of that social aspect of you know trying to find yourself more in middle school or in high school?
0: Oh that's an interesting question. I'd say middle school was a very tough time for me because I didn't really fit in with anyone. I I kind of already knew what I wanted to do, Um, you know, I knew I wanted to play music, and I wanted to pursue that, and that's not, you know, I was, I realized I was lucky to have known that, and I'm lucky to have known that at such a young age, but also being that age, and knowing what you want to do, but then having everyone around you not know, and like, Really focus on you know drama or all this other stuff. I just by no means was I perfect, but I also saw through a lot of that, and I was like, well, I just want to focus on this, and because of that, I didn't really fit in, which you know I had a really rough time with that. Um, and I remember that was middle school is the time where I really grew close to my mom, um, and she really helped me, you know, along with my teachers, to really. You know, push through all that and, you know, really focus on what I wanted to do. Um, So I, I would say middle school definitely was the initial, you know, understanding the whole finding yourself. But then high school was when I really developed, if that makes any sense. Okay
1: and for my two kids it and many of the parents i talk to now it it it's the same thing because in my generation when we were growing up i i thought that that huge transition and i also grew up in parochial school so i was a bit more pr- protected probably but it really happened when i went into high school and that's when you know the cliques started to emerge or emerge etc and you know what i've experienced kind of with these New generations that are coming up, and I think social media has something to play a role in. It is all of a sudden, you know, you're in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, and there's all this peer pressure. There are clicks, and there's this, you know, pressure on you to conform to to one of those things. And I know both for both of my kids, um, they they struggled through that period a bit, and you know, I think it was a growing experience for both of them. and now they've gotten into to high school and both um, are flourishing. But I remember when my daughter was going through it, you know, it was very difficult on her because she didn't really fit into any one of the boxes. And I remember, you know, somewhere between seventh and eighth grade, she kind of just made a decision, which I thought was, you know, very admirable that, you know, I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. I like me. And, you know, I know who I am, and I don't have to have a group of friends, all I really need are one or two people who I'm close to, you know, who can carry me forward. And, you know, I think those couple of relationships for her have, you know, continued to this day, even though they now all go to different high schools. So I I just bring it up because I think times are changing. And for the listeners who, who are out there, you you know, who are now might be having to deal with this in their own life. I think it's just a different perspective uh, to put out there.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I I really love what your daughter kind of came to a realization about and understanding, you know, you don't need to be friends with everyone. You don't need, you know, you don't need anyone else's approval, except yourself. And, you know, middle school, I think it was the end of middle school, I found my best friend, and we're still best friends to this day. She now lives down in Georgia. I'm still up in New Jersey. And you know, it's really if you focus your energy into building real deep, you know, valuable relationships, it's it's gonna value you in the long run. So that's very admirable.
1: Well, I, I will uh, definitely pass that on to her. Uh, next time I see her, um, I've, I've sent some of your files to her already to listen. She she loves hearing new music. And She, you might think that it's my son who I hit all the concerts with, but it's actually my daughter who is the huge uh, music fan and wants to do almost any genre you can think of um, and is passionate about all of them. But um, I wanted to get into kind of a transition point now for you starting to encounter, you know, some. Fear, obstacles, and big life moments along the way. And I wasn't much older than you when I lost a fiance. Well, I, I should say my only fiance um, at that point to the cancer, and she had a very rare form and passed away when she was about your age, maybe, maybe a year older. And you know, hers, similar to to what I think happened with your mom, you know, was a fairly long battle with it. You know, I think it was three to four four years, I think your mom was longer. But you know, going through that, um, I can relate to some of the things that you went through. But can you talk to the audience about, it sounds like your mom was a huge figure, like many moms are in our lives. And can you talk about that. And, you know, some of the obstacles that that caused, and you know, what that brought about in your life? I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember. So we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now back to passion struck.
0: Absolutely. So when I was in sixth grade, I believe it is. Yeah. I believe I was in sixth grade when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer and it wasn't any, it was stage one. So it wasn't terrible at that time, but I, I can still vividly remember when her and my dad were in the kitchen and and they brought us down to tell us and you know when you're a little kid you don't you can't like differentiate between cancer and you know death it's just one leads to the other you don't understand like the nuances or the subtleties or you know the stages any of that kind of stuff so like that was very scary moment um when they you know first told us and She battled with that for probably about a year and a half to two years. And then she was said, like the doctor said that she went into remission. And throughout that time, you know, she was just so helpful for me. And, you know, I had mentioned earlier, I was going through a rough time in in middle school. And I think that obviously some of that had to do with what was going on at home, but she also put aside what she was feeling to take care of her kids first, and that's something that I always admired was that, you know, she would just drop anything um, she was doing. It didn't matter. Um, Her kids came first, and that also kind of bled into her youth group kids as well, so she was the leader at at my church's youth group, and she just grew a bond with everyone, and, you know, she grew the youth group by the time I was a senior in high school, um, which is when came back you know there were over 100 kids in youth group and she just had such an impact on the kids because she could relate and you know she was just a natural born mom um in every sense of the word but it
1: sounds like she was amazing
0: (laughs) um so when i was a senior in high school it was the beginning of of the year um it was in october she started getting these headaches and you know at first they weren't that bad and then you know, week after week, they just got worse. And I'm sorry, September. So the whole month of September, she was going through these these headaches. And, you know, we just felt so bad because sometimes she would be in bed and she couldn't get up because of these headaches. And um, she had gone to the doctor a couple of times throughout that month. But they kept saying, oh, take this or try this. They never thought um, that it could have been something worse. And then, you know, toward the end of the month, we actually had a youth group event the night that or the night before everything went down but um, she ended up having to stay home because of the headache and then she went to the doctor and they were like you need to go to the emergency room so they took her over to the hospital and they took her to get a scan and they found that her cancer had metastasized to her brain yeah so right away she had to be transferred and to another hospital and they did The surgery the next morning. Uh, And at this point, you know, nobody really had heard of metastasized cancer. We didn't know what it meant. She was supposed to be in remission. Like she had been going to the doctor for, you know, since I was in middle school to the end of high school. So about four years and they kept doing tests and everything was looking fine. So nobody understood what was going on. And we didn't realize that, you know, once it metastasized, like, there's not really a chance of survival especially when it goes to the brain and you know she throughout this whole thing you know through surgeries through treatments you know because of the surgery the nature of the surgery that they had to do on her brain you know there was matter that was taken out that you know she was a little bit disabled Um, throughout the next few months of her life. And, you know, it was difficult to see her like that because she was such an independent, you know, strong um, person and she couldn't do things for herself, let alone other people. And that was like her whole life, but she loved doing stuff for other people. She loved helping other people. And it, it was a really hard time. We're very blessed to have a large close family. My mom was actually born in Portugal. Um, and and we, we keep our roots very strong and our traditions and just like a strong family and a strong faith. And that was really what got us through and what still continues to get us through. So it, it wasn't easy, obviously, but, you know, just miracle after miracle, you know, she made it through surgeries She made it way past her, you know, expected time to live. She made it toward the end of her life when she was in the hospital in the ICU. They had her intubated and they, when they took the tube out, they were expecting her to pass away right away. And she ended up, you know, lasting another four or five days. And, you know, she just was so strong-willed. She knew she wanted to come home. And um, so we were able to bring her home. So that was, that was something beautiful that came out of it that we were all able to be there with her but yeah to anyone who is going through anything anything even slightly similar you know just keep your faith in whatever it is whatever it is that you believe because you know it's that and the relationships of the people around you that will get you through anything
1: did you know that forbes magazine recently cited that 70 percent of individuals who do personal development masterminds, and one-on-one coaching benefited from better work performance, increased communication skills, and overall better relationships. And we at PassionStruck are obsessed with self-development, coaching, and mentorship. That is why we've created a free resource to help you unlock your hidden potential. Because people doing great things in business and life are just like you, only they've had a coach along the way and we've got that covered too. Let us show you the systems and frameworks that we teach growth-minded individuals to help them step into their sharp edges, execute on their passion journeys, and get predictable results time and time again. Go to passionstruck.com slash coaching right now, and let's get igniting. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I know it, it's it's not easy having to share something like that. and. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll i just make a couple comments here before I go into the next question, you know, and, and one is I I have, I've never had cancer. So, you know, my experience is not firsthand, but I do realize that as you go from state one to other stages, and especially as it's, if it's metastasized, the state. That it has with her, the treatment options have to evolve greatly because you're having to treat it systemically instead of at the, at the point of origin, which is, you know, very difficult one, once it reaches that point, you know, I unfortunately have been going through this more recently because uh, I told you before the show started, my sister was diagnosed in September with unfortunately pancreatic cancer. And, you know, so that has, again, brought back to our family um, you know, this cancer threat, which my aunt, my grandmother, and others have had to go through. But we have been doing a ton of research. And if anyone who is listening to this would like to learn more, I'd I'd be happy to to share some of it with you. But you know, we went to the Pan Can organization in our case, and and they've been an invaluable source. I've also tried to track down other pancreatic cancer survivors to hear their stories and and learn about that. But we also discovered um, the power of you know, the mind through this and how it plays such a strong role in that person's fight to overcome this terrible disease. And we also discovered that there's more and more knowledge coming out about homeopathic things that you can do that complement the things that the MDs will tell you. And we found pharmacologist here in Clearwater, Florida who is actually her real job is the pharmacologist at um, one of our major hospitals. But in addition to that, she also studied Eastern medicine and has been treating literally thousands of patients who have cancer. And, you know, I have a a, a very personal story because my girlfriend's mother a decade ago came to her with incurable stage four ovarian cancer stage four B, which is a death sentence. And they said it couldn't be operated on nothing. And she went to this lady who gave her these drops that her mom takes to this day. And 10 years later, she's cancer-free, thank God. So I think, you know, between that, eating, getting sugar out of your system, you know, putting your body in an alkaline, alkaline state, there are a number of things that you can do to help yourself along with the medicines that you get. So I will leave it at that. And if you want to know more, you can contact me. But what I what i wanted to ask you is as you were going through this time how how did music play a role was it for you something that you used that uh, connected you more with your mom was it something you used at times to get away from what was going on and you know you could pour your yourself into something else because i want to i want to go from here and this answer to then go into you know, the music that you're doing today and and kind of that inspiration. But if you can answer that first, uh, I think that would be a great starting point.
0: Absolutely. So it was definitely, you know, a way for me to get away 100%, um, especially with the writing aspect of, you know, my music. But it was also a way to get closer to her um, when it came to listening to other music. So, you know, we would always share songs and, um, you know, we put together playlists. So whenever, you know, she heard a song or I heard a song, it kind of connected us in that way. And, you know, during my senior year of high school, my my music teacher at the time, going along with, you know, helping me to push out of my comfort zone and, and to um, evolve and, progress with my music he you know made it a point to be like okay we're gonna put together a senior capstone project and then he kind of took me through the steps he's like what do you want to do how do you want to go about it whatever you need i'm there so what we decided to do and what we decided to come up with was put together a benefit concert yeah and it it actually went on for three years and then got cancelled last year to covid and you no know, now we haven't been able to continue it unfortunately but our my senior year of high school we actually got a new high school our old high school was so old and you know we were taking classes in trailers and so that senior year this new high school it had state of the art auditorium and lighting and sound and everything so you know I was like let's put together a concert it'll be 100% student run everyone will get experience on what it's like to do you know a concert in the rock pop, you know, mainstream kind of way, and I, I headlined it, and we got three other students to open to open the concert, and we raised money for actually a, a little boy in our community. He had brain cancer, and we raised money for him, so it was a way to really bring the community together around this central, you know, this central thing of music, and give back To someone else in need. And the way that that whole thing ties into my mom is because when I realized that she couldn't continue her mission in her life to give back to other people, you know, I kind of took it upon myself to make that my own mission. And, you know, using my music to give back to others was the most, the thing that made the most sense to me was using something that I was, you know, passionate about or that I knew the most about and to you know help others through that so that's where that all began and the the cause itself to give back to this little boy with brain cancer came from my mom's relationship with children or with kids you know like going back to that whole motherly instinct and whenever she was sick whether it was you know when she was when I was in middle school that first time she got sick or the second time you know whenever my brother my sister and I would you know, discuss or show how sad we were at the situation or upset or frustrated. She would always be like, all right guys, I get where you're coming from, but you know, there are kids, there's little kids out there that have to go through the same thing or worse. And so I kind of continued to bring that spirit with me and that's childhood cancer research is the cause that my um, album is supporting. So.
1: And your, your new album and you, ended up just releasing it a, a couple weeks ago. I think it was I think I have the date right because it's. I think it's January 27th my yep. daughter's birthday is 28th and that happened to be have some significance with your mom. Can you talk yes. about that? Yes.
0: I decided to release the album on my mom's birthday just because she had such an impact on my life and the whole mission that I, I decided to go with um, in my life. So... That's and,
1: and can you, so the title of the album is Exit 4, I I think. And can you talk a little bit about what that title means Absolutely. and its significance?
0: So Exit 4 is the exit that I take to get home in New Jersey, but it's also the exit that I took to get up to college in New York. And essentially the album goes through, you know, I won't say coming of age. It's more of a journey, you know, and just realizing Overcoming and growing. And that's the whole premise of the album itself. And um, I think there's something to be said about a journey that begins and ends symbolically in the same fashion. And then the brackets around the U give the title a second meaning in that, you know, sometimes you have to take the exit for you. So not that's everyone, thanks, um, not everyone, you know, is bold enough to take that exit or to go in that direction that they feel they need to. And it, it, it's not an easy thing to do, but it is one of the most rewarding things you could possibly do. So,
1: so I'm going to stay here for a little bit because the, the real purpose of this show is to help the listeners understand how to do exactly what you just said. And that is, you know, how do you get over the fears you might have the obstacles that you see that are in front of you, and start your passion journey, and you know release that in potential that we all have. So I, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, and for you, you know, what was that journey like? And you know, what, what what started it? You know, this this dream of making this album, and you know, what were some of the fears you had to overcome, and how did you overcome them?
0: Absolutely. So ever since I wrote that first song. In middle school, I just had this this dream, this vision um, to create an album, to release it, to to do something with the music and make it proactive. So my mom was an artist. That's what she went to college for. She wasn't really able to do much with it just because of the nature of her situation. And you know, she ended up doing some other job. She was a stay-at-home mom. And she knew what it was like to go into an art field and how difficult it is. And, you know, her and my dad saw the passion that I had with the music. And I was very fortunate to have parents who really pushed me and believed in me. And, you know, they they said it from the beginning. They're like, if you want to pursue this, it's not going to be easy. And you're going to have to, you know, work your butt off to do something with it. That's something that really... Um, Got ingrained in my head over the years. So if if you want to do something, you can do it. You just have to really believe in it and not let other people get in your head. Um, Your value comes from you, and that is probably one of the most important lessons that I have had to learn in order to get to this point.
1: Yes, I I think that's great. And you know, I'm not sure if you experienced this, but with many of the people. I work with, they have what I would describe as hidden beliefs about themselves that are just festering there, that they have at times a hard time getting over, you know, they don't think they're good enough, or they don't think they're educated enough, or, you know, it's hard, you know, it's kind of like being an interior designer where some can walk into a house that, you know, looks like a disaster area and can see it so clearly, but others struggle to see, you know, what that end product looks like. What, what would you say to the listeners about those hidden beliefs and how to tackle them?
0: So when I was in high school, I got probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. And it directly relates to music, but generally relates to everything else. So my music teacher in high school, I had been recording music on the side but obviously, I didn't know anything about recording at that point. And, you know, I was a beginner songwriter. I didn't really know, again, anything in the industry. And I also put it in my head that I was a perfectionist. And that was one of my, like, hidden beliefs. I was like, I'm a perfectionist. I'm not going to put anything out until it's, it's perfect. And he was like, put your music out there because people are going to listen to it. And they don't think the same way as you. And, you know, again, directly relates to music, put your music out there. Um, But indirectly, it's helped me so much in, you know, formulating my um, confidence, I guess, in, you know, fake it till you make it. You know, we hear that saying and it's a cliche, but it just rings so true because if you believe it and, you know, you go for it, you're going to make it happen. And you know, people don't have to know, people probably won't know. And if you really are confident about it, then you will eventually become what you're pretending to be. um, If that makes any sense.
1: Well, I think that's, that's some great advice, fake it till you make it, you know, because I think it is so important to have confidence in what you're doing, because people can see through it when you're not confident when you don't present that, I think confidence and passion have some some similarities, because when you're passionate about something, that confidence just you know it, it pours out of every ounce of your body um, and ignites your soul and ignites what you're going to do. so I wanted to ask, do you think having been through this adversity, it's possible to have success with without adversity, or do you think you have to go through that journey to get the success that you want to achieve?
0: I think. Life is adversity. And I think that everyone goes through their own level of adversity. And because of that, we are able to find resilience. Now, again, depending, it's very relative, like, what is the adversity level, you know, like, we both have been through really high adversity levels, some people, you know, haven't experienced that yet. Or, you know, if they're really lucky, they won't have to experience that in their lifetime. But I think, you know, it is possible without it, if you're, if you can empathize and, and understand and be really grateful for what you do have. And I think that that's important regardless, but I think the adversity, although it can make or break you, can really build you up and, you know, make you passion struck. Well,
1: that's great. Well, thank you for that plug. Um, I mean, I do do think it's, you know, I do think it's true. I mean, there there are very few people I have ever met, even, you know, the the people that we hold up, you know, whether they're sports stars or billionaires or creatives like like you are, you know, all of them have gone through major adversities. In fact, most painters that I know from that artistic or you know, almost are destitute at times before they've been able to break through. It's, it's not, you know, being a creative, being a visionary, being an entrepreneur, whatever it is. Because the, the thing about being an artist, I learned uh, being on the board of uh, Art Society is, you know, artists, besides their artwork, are entrepreneurs, because they have to run their business and sell their goods. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it really is that and it comes with a ton of uh, trials and tribulations. So yes, it's all on the path to becoming passion struck. So I I did want to ask, and I always like to ask this of, of the guests of the show is, you know, you're still in many ways at the beginning of your journey, but by going through this and releasing this album and, you know, following this mission that you have, you know, what has the aftermath been like for you? How has your life changed by 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 doing this? Great question.
0: So, I recently graduated college a semester early and so the last month has been just so much change and so much, you know, activity going on and it's definitely been a whirlwind and a very bittersweet whirlwind. I definitely feel relieved in a lot of ways that you know a lot of this work is out of the way but I also you know I kind of long for it again I'm already looking forward to um recording the next album or the next single whatever is next and you know I'm I, I couldn't be more excited to make the final donation to uh CHOP Research Institute so Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, my goal was $300 and we raised over $700, which That's was crazy. great. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, the past couple months have really taught me to really take in every moment and, and realize how far I've, I've come so far. And by that same token, understand that it's just the beginning of, you know, what the potential that I I have and, you know, thinking about, well, what's next. So that's where, that's where I feel I'm at right now. Well, that's
1: great. And I, and congratulations on, on the success you've had thus far. And, you know, I think what you just said, which is celebrate the little successes along the way is important, regardless of, you know, where you are in your, your passion or life journey. Yeah. You know, in fact, yesterday I was, conversing with my coach who's helping me with these podcasts. And, you know, I launch on Tuesday, I think you're actually interview number 22 or 23, we've already done, but, um, you know, he, he sent me, you know, you're, you're now live on iTunes, you're live on podcast being, et cetera. You know, he goes, it's time to to celebrate the, you know, the moment and the victory. And, you know, you, you know, you've had a milestone. So I, I appreciate what you said. Um, And I did want to ask you, for those who want to learn more about your music and you, where can they go if they want to, you know, purchase your album and hear more of your music?
0: Yeah, so my music is on all major music platforms. So Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon, wherever you get your music. Um, I think there's a link floating around on YouTube as well. And you can also find out more about my story and you know I I put out a bi-weekly newsletter so if you're interested in you know music and it's kind of a a lifestyle newsletter where I include recipes and book recommendations um and where I'm at in the moment so you can come on the journey with me you know julianasweeney.com is where you can find all that information but uh
1: yeah okay well great and I have one more part of the interview and it won't take long but it's a little bit of a lightning round so um i am going to start and you know just answer with whatever comes to your mind okay. and i'll start you out with an easy one what is the first concert you've ever went to
0: i think it was the jonas brothers okay
1: and if you could go to a concert now and you can only pick one artist who would it be
0: i i've already seen him twice but i'd probably say john mayer it's it, it's the best concert that i've seen
1: yeah, I've always wanted to see John, but I, I haven't had uh, the opportunity. I, I if do you know ever
0: do. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, he's an excellent guitarist. Um, if you could meet anyone alive or dead that you haven't met yet, who would it be?
0: Probably Gene Kelly. I know he's, okay. he's very old-fashioned, but my, my dad was very old-fashioned. We used to watch all the movies.
1: Okay. And if you were going to blast off to space tomorrow, and they gave you one last meal you could have the night before, before you went up, what would it be?
0: Um, a Portuguese dish called and it's, you know, pork, clams, shrimp, and then it's served with some French fries. So good.
1: <laughs> it sounds delicious. Okay, and I'll ask you, if you ask, I'll ask you one more question. If you were giving advice to my 17-year-old daughter about where she should take love of music, what would you tell her? as some advice from someone who's where you're at now.
0: If it's something you love and you're serious about it, lean into it. Just, just go all out, go for it, and you'll find your way.
1: Well, that's great. And I think that's a great place to end our interview today. And Juliana, thank you so much for being on the Passion Struck podcast. Really appreciated your time with me today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was an awesome opportunity and I really appreciate it.
1: I was so excited to have Juliana Sweeney on the show and to give you such a mix of different guests that we can bring that offer their perspectives, regardless of age, regardless of background, we can learn from all of them. And in the upcoming weeks, we have some very special guests coming on. In our next episode, I have famed Welch philosopher and knowledge expert, Dave Snowden on the show, where he's going to discuss how to use knowledge and complexity science to unlock your personal life. We're gonna talk about why he was hired to do research on the origins of COVID and the progress he's making there. And then the week following that, I have on my personal friend, who I've known for 25 plus years, Navy SEAL and astronaut, Chris Cassidy. You are not gonna wanna miss either of these episodes coming up. And along the way, I'll have some great personal episodes as well, where I'm going to be unpacking topics such as living in ball life, and also going over the IV method and how you can apply it to your life as well. As always, I so much appreciate your support for the show. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need unlock your hidden potential if you want to hear more please subscribe to the passion struck podcast on spotify itunes stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts at and if you absolutely love this episode we'd appreciate a five-star rating on itunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our passion Struck community if you'd like to learn more about the show And our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us.